0: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. (laughs) Big bank, small bank, I like to make money.
1: All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to (laughs) bet? And we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the week nine NFL betting edition. I am Chris Raybon, and on today's show, as usual, we will be breaking down our top spread bets of the week in the NFL in the Sunday six-pack. We will also give you our favorite over-under pick of the week our favorite teaser, Moneyline, Underdog, Parlay, and Survivor Pool pick. But as always, we're going to start you off by breaking down the Thursday night football game. So let's get right into uh, the Thursday night preview. But before we do, I just want to remind you guys, check out the Action Network app because it's my favorite app. It's free. It's in the App Store. You can get real-time odds box scores, live win probabilities, and the capacity to track every bet you make. You can follow me. You can follow my co-host, Stucky. So be sure to check that out, the Action Network app. Let's get in to our Thursday night football preview.
0: It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football.
1: For this Thursday, we have the 7-0 San Francisco 49ers on a roll, fresh off demolishing the Carolina Panthers, going to Arizona to play the 3-4-1 and one Cardinals, led by Kyler Murray, coached by Cliff Kingsbury. Ten-point spread in favor of the San Francisco 49ers. 80% of the bets, 87% of the money on San Francisco. The over-under is 42.5. 66% of the bets coming in on the over in that one, but only 33% of the money on the over. Here to help me break it down? The Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, my dude Stucky. Stuck, how was Week 8? And what are your thoughts on this Thursday night game? Week 8 was slightly
0: profitable. It was should have been a lot better. I still can't believe the Browns didn't cover. You know how hard it is to get a, a bet in the NFL, plus 13, and it closes 9.5 without injuries. And then it's just that the Browns averaged 5.3 yards per play to the Pats, 4.8, and they gift, gifted them 17 points, dropping picks, dropping fumbles. uh I mean, it was bad. Um, And then at the end, Baker Mayfield can't even get a yard to get in the back door. But the Patriots' defense was exposed for some things that we'll get into, um, Mm -hmm. and it was pretty much the first real offense they played all year. But we'll get to that, but I'm ready to uh, get into this week.
1: You know, just for the listeners out there, we are keeping score. We give two points for our top pick in the six-pack, and then one point uh, for the other two, and one for the over-under. We're tied at 23. Uh, The only reason really being that I picked against you in that Browns Patriots game. And as you mentioned, somehow got the miracle cover. I mean, this is one of those games where I wish, you know, we don't get a chance to really watch these games together. Um, I I just would have liked to see your face after like the opening sequence of plays for the Browns, because that essentially kind of dictated the outcome. I mean, I've never seen something that bizarre. My favorite moment in that game might have been when the Browns scored uh, the touchdown. I think it was to Demetrius Harris, the tight end, and it was only the second passing touchdown the Pats have given up. And they just look so confused. Like, wait, we, so we have to get off the field? This, like, it's not a punt. It's not a not a field goal. It didn't look like they've ever gotten scored on before. One thing I just want to
0: bring up about this pod: we recorded on Wednesday night. Most of the time, I'll play in the app, but every once in a blue moon, I might buy out, which is why it's important to follow me. Like last week, I had the the. Chiefs plus five, which is my top pick. And I actually bought out of that at Packers minus three for a little bit. And trying tried to middle it as well. After I saw that the Chiefs, their injuries all along their offensive line, all their defenders out, I just had to get out. So that's why it's important just to follow us and, you know, read our guide that we'll have out. Everything that I say on this podcast, I do bet. But if something's change and a line moves and I might want to get out, that's why it's important to follow us on the app.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, we do record this Wednesday. We have our draft even earlier uh, in the day Wednesday. So sometimes the lines move um, and sometimes, yeah, we the haven't reports, made our so bets. Thursdays
0: changed. I mean, they're the right. most important ones. We're,
1: we're, we're looking for, like, there was a line today that we talked about and we'll get into it later, but I kind of said, Hey, you know, you think this thing is going to move cause I might wait. Um, so yeah, you know, definitely follow us in the app. Uh, you're at Stucky 2 I'm at Chris Rabon. Um, You can see all our bets there. You know, if we decide to, to not bet a game or we, come on the different side later we try to middle it whatever it may be you can catch all our picks in the app as well as everyone else uh from the Action Network but with that said let's get into this Thursday night game because I mean man I liked the Panthers last week I know you liked them a little bit as well and I thought they were not as good as the 49ers but a competent team that could kind of come in there and give them keep keep the game close and man was I wrong because the 49ers it's like they have injuries um, uh, to both tackles. They have injuries to their fullback Kyle Juszczyk. And yet Kyle Shanahan just completely outcoached Ron Rivera, who, by the way, is usually good in these underdog spots. I think he's 24 and 14 against the spread coming in uh, as a dog. They were just running out of formations that the Panthers no way, in no way could have prepared for. They had wide receivers uh, scoring touchdowns on the ground, motions, shifts.
0: My favorite one was that fake handoff, and then the D end came at Jimmy G, and then he pitched it. So, like, you're just – you're getting that defender out of the way with that fake. That was a brilliant play call.
1: You know, it's absurd, and, you know, it's crazy because the fantasy flex this week, Corner was talking about how he seems to be uh, a week behind when, you know, he was calling out some of his, uh, you know, favorite kind of bounce back guys. Like, he was on Montgomery the week before, and then he bounces back this week. Like, I feel that way about the 49ers because I actually wrote up all of our betting previews uh, in 2018 for the Action Network. And I was like, you know who's my sleeper Super Bowl team? The San Francisco 49ers. Because I I just thought they were well-coached, had a lot of talent on the defensive front, offense, I thought they have the right quarterback. And, you know, it didn't happen for them last year, of course, Jimmy G going down. But, man, do they look poised to get back. Now, the question is, in this game, Stuck, this is one of those nine- to ten-point spreads where we know from you know kind of looking into the data they don't happen often but we know looking into this that these are those spreads that are just really tough to cover uh for a a national football league favorite 38 and 9 for the underdog when it's a 9 to 10 point spread that's according to bet labs which you can find on the action network uh if you are a subscriber so be sure to check into bet labs if you really want to dig into all this data but can the 49ers cover this this number
0: and I have to be, feel really compelled about a Thursday night game. Just I always feel like you get some weird, fluky, sloppy play. I do think the short week helps the Cardinals in this sense that Kyle Shanahan doesn't have as much time to get into the kitchen and you know cook up some new plays and new th- and maybe he doesn't even want to show off some of the stuff he has stored for a game that they should win. I do think that helps a little bit. And it is a semi, you know, maybe a letdown emotionally after such a big win, after scoring 50 plus. But, you know, so then I look at Arizona and I say, all right, let me see if I can make a case for the 10-point dog, which is generally going to be a side that I want to look into. And, you know, the first thing that jumps out to me, number one, is they can't cover tight ends or backs out of the backfield if horrible, linebackers and safeties. So that's not good against the 49ers and, and Kittle.
1: Their weakest link, I think, against tight ends and, and all that inside stuff was Swearinger. Now, they released him a couple weeks ago, so they've been a tiny bit better, but I was actually tabulating every team against the slot, whether it, does, it could be a tight end, it could be anyone who lines up in the slot. And the Cardinals given up the most production in the league. So you're exactly on point. It's going to be tough for them, especially now that More San Francisco Sanders, added yeah. Emmanuel Sanders. And remember, Shanahan, it was two years ago, they were using Marquise Goodwin out, like moving him around, putting him in the slot. And he had huge numbers for this like five, six game stretch. And everyone thought he was going to be kind of a productive, you know, receiver going forward. And that really hasn't happened. So uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that there, there's going to be matchup problems for, for the Cardinals.
0: I also look at Arizona offensive line, major weak point. I mean, going against the 49ers elite defensive line, that's a problem. You know, they also have trouble stopping the run. That's a problem against San Fran. So, and, you know, I know that, you know, some people might point to this and say San Fran hasn't beat Arizona in, what, five years? I think they're 0-8, their last eight. Now, this team is completely different. But that actually might serve as, you know, somewhat of a motivating factor for San Fran here And what could be, you know, you could argue that maybe they come out a little flat. But this is a team that's owned them you know, over the last four years or so. So given the spot and the spread and, you know, San Fran, the San Fran is legit because they're an elite defensive line and because of their scheme on how they play on the back end. They also, not only do they after the quarterback, they also don't give up any explosive plays. They've allowed 20 explosive plays on the entire year. That's fewest in the NFL. I mean, that's fewer than the Patriots who have played clown cars every week. The 49ers who, you know, you could have questioned who they played, and that now you can't. I mean what they did to the Rams, what they did to the Panthers, they're legit, but this is a, you know, a market here. They're going to be most likely overvalued in the near term. This one, I think it, the line might be a tad too high, but given all the matchup advantages, this is a end Thursday night complete easy pass for me.
1: Yeah, and I think w- kind of compounding problems for the uh, Arizona Cardinals is that you you mentioned the offensive line. I think the way you kind of keep the score close against San Francisco is you turn it into a run heavy ball game. We saw Washington do that in that bad weather game where they just ran the ball. All day. And so San Francisco ends up not covering, of course, one of those nine to 10 point spreads. They win nine to nothing. Shut them out. It's like, I don't know when the last time a team got a shutout and failed to cover. That would actually be a, an interesting one. Johnson's hurt. He's a game time call. I mean, I don't think he'll play, but he's a game time call. Chase Edmonds has been ruled out. So we should mention that Kenyon Drake traded from the Miami Dolphins to the Arizona Cardinals. So they have Zach Zenner and Alfred Morris also on the roster. DJ, game time call probably on the wrong side of questionable. a couple of trends that are worth noting uh Thursday night and we talk about this a lot but it's tough to when you're the inferior team to on a short week to to stay competitive and uh Thursday night football favorites by seven points or more are actually 39 and 19 67 percent against the spread going back to 2003 that's uh per bet labs and I kind of have this theory I don't know how you feel about this stuff but I kind of feel like, because this is one of the only situations, Thursday night, generally, when you see favorites are profitable. You've been doing this for a while. Do you think books are okay with kind of taking maybe like slight losses, leaving that line to where favorites can cover uh, on Thursdays because they know that, you know, that's going to kind of get people in the door to then bet all, all these Sunday games? I mean, it is
0: an island game, so it's so heavily bet that I don't think so. I mean, I think that you also have, would have sharp money that would correct that, but it's, it's one of those things where everything – is different. There's something missing. There's something missing in how I model teams too, which is why I always say I want to stay away. You know, if a recreational better, if you're a bookie out there and recreational better has a big Thursday, maybe it sets up for an even worse weekend. But uh, I just think these are hard games to handicap and set lines for.
1: The one thing I always go back to, uh, I was doing some coaching, some personal coaching for DFS and happened to get this former O-lineman that kind of got into DFS and we would talk every week and he would tell me that, you know, one of the toughest things to do for offensive linemen is recover from these games. And he said, you know, one thing going on the road, you know, just sitting on the planes and stuff for these big guys is tough. And and sometimes some of the hotels and also playing on short weeks. So I wonder if it's just that a lot of times the favorite tends to be the team. with the better offensive line uh, because that's, that's football, right? Perhaps you don't have a lot of numbers to quantify, but uh, maybe offensive lines playing even more poorly. Uh, on the short weeks Um, as far as the total it's 42 and a half now this is one where we are seeing I guess a a sharp square uh, disagreement because 66% of the bets over 42 and a half but 67% of the money under 42 and a half Uh, is this one where you're leaning under
0: yeah I mean if I had to I'd probably side with the under here I think that if San Fran is potentially flat I think they're going to go run heavy but the number seems about right
1: yeah, I would lean under as well. Early downs, I like to look at just early down success rate. You know, that means getting uh, four yards on first down, half of the yardage necessary on second, and, and picking up a conversion on third or fourth. So it's just a percentage of successes you have. And San Francisco's defense, number one in the league uh, in, in pass success rate. So um, they're allowing only 34% of opponents' plays in the pass game to be successful on first and second down. But they are 23rd in the league in run defense success rate over at, uh, at 49%. So there's at least a chance that, you know, the Cardinals, you know, stay, stay on schedule at least early in the down and not put Kyle Murray in bad situations, which I think could lead to the under. Let's wrap this Thursday night football preview up as we always do with the coach's pep talk. This week's pep talk comes to us from Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade from the 1992 film, Scent of a Woman. And we're dedicating it to the Arizona Cardinals defense because I think that's really the key here. You need to stop this San Francisco offense, which just put up 51, uh, hung a 50-piece on the Carolina Panthers last week. Well, gentlemen, when the shit hits the fan, some guys run and some guys
0: stay. And if you think you're preparing these minnows for manhood, you better think again. What a sham. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today?
1: All right, Stuck, let's do it. Let's get into the main event. It's time for the Sunday six-pack.
0: Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack.
1: All right, so as mentioned last week, we each got two. We're tied at 23 uh, for the year out of a possible 40 points. So we we dropped under 60%, so we got to get right back to it. It was your pick first, so where are you going?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going with my Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Surprise. Um, I also have to clarify that I am the least biased Ravens better. There's, the Ravens have covered twice this year, against the Seahawks and against the Chiefs. Those are the only two times I've they were my pick in my six pack and the only two times I've said to bet them in any way, generally have a good pulse on them. And you know, bets come first. This is an, a spectacular matchup for the Ravens for, I mean, I could spend the whole podcast talking about this game, but look, the Patriots defense, I said, since the beginning of the year, is the best in the NFL. I said on this podcast probably every week that we should just bet their unders. And we were in the first whole month of the season because their offense is not as good, but their defense is lean, and they were playing nobody. Now, they're always gonna win the turnover battle, which is what people you know, should realize. If you go back since Brady got there, it's because Brady doesn't turn the ball over. Um, and you know, they're also in a terrible division um, and play terrible quarterbacks. But a lot of what's happening this year has been a ton of luck, because there is a ton of luck that goes into turnovers. In that game against the Bills in Buffalo, they got a punt return for a touchdown, which basically got them that win. Because if you look at the final stats in the game against the Bills, who just gave up a ton to the Eagles at home in the win. The Bills had 375 yards in that game. Patriots, 224 yards per play. Bills, 5.3. Pats, 3.6. This defense is excellent because they have great corners, good safeties. They're well-coached, well-schemed. But they're very vulnerable against the run. Well, guess what the Ravens are going to do? The Ravens are going to line up. They're, you're going to see two tight end sets. You're going to see two, you know, two, three running backs in there at a time. And they're going to line up and run it. And they're just going to run it and run it and run it right down the throat. It's the number one rush team in the NFL by almost any metric. And when they do go to pass it, the most interesting thing is what will the Patriots do from a scheme perspective? Number one, because are they going to play all their elite corners against a uh, three tight end, two tight end set where the Ravens can, are going to line up and try to power? And the Ravens also throw out of this. They throw out of it a lot and they have designed runs for Lamar. But when they go to passing situations, Patriots, why they're so good is they can, they can just man up, play cover zero, no safety on top, and blitz. But if you do that against Lamar Jackson, all he has to do is get by one level, and he's gone. That's just why people to say Alabama struggles against running quarterbacks, because they play man everything, and then the cornerbacks are running with the receivers. And if you look back historically, the Patriots, one of the things they've always struggled with, you know, Cam Newton, uh, mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky last year ran for nine years, mobile quarterbacks. Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, faced the Patriots five times in his career, averages about four touchdowns a game against the Patriots. Uh, and that's with Kaepernick and Tyrod Taylor as the quarterbacks in those five games. So the Ravens are going to have success running the ball. The Ravens also have an enormous, enormous advantage in special teams. DVOA, Ravens number one, Patriots like number 28. They're down to the th- they're on their third kicker now. Uh, Ravens best special teams in the NFL. But on the other side of the ball, the Ravens defense now, with Jimmy Smith back, Marcus Peters, and I said before the Seattle game, it's a huge signing, and Humphrey on the outside. And they're just going to blitz. They're going to blitz everyone. And the only way you can beat the Patriots and the only team that ever has done it in the playoffs up in Foxborough is the Ravens because they have great corners and they could hit Brady. That is the only way you do it. You can't play zone. You can't play off-man. You have to get up in the receiver's face and you have to blitz. Well, the Ravens have three elite man corners and they blitz more than any team in the NFL. And the, and the Patriots offense just isn't right. They have new pieces every week. Their offensive line has all the injuries. Now, they have the best offensive line coach in the NFL, so I'm sure they're going to figure it out by the end of the year. But right now, they can't run the ball because they can't run block. And they're, you know, Brady doesn't get sacked because he gets rid of the ball so quick. But if you're pressuring and make him do that, and you have elite corners blanketed on the receivers, that's going to make it tough for them to run the ball. So basically what it comes down to, for me, is the Patriots' defense, vulnerable against the run. Well, they're playing the best running team in the NFL. And when the Ravens have to pass it, it could open the Patriots' defense up to Lamar running the ball, they might have to start. They're gonna probably going to have to spy him. I mean, it's Belcher. They're going to come up with something. But it's, they're not going to do what they've been doing all year. This is the best team by far that they've played all season. On the other side of the ball, the Ravens are with their corners now healthy. That was the biggest weak point of their defense. If you look at all their defensive numbers early in the year, it's because they didn't have a second quarter. Well, now they have a second quarter and a third quarter with Smith and Peters back. The only thing I want to see is who plays slot. So I don't I don't know. You're, Probably you're Humphrey, see, I would think. Especially if yeah, I think it's He would be track Humphrey. Edelman, right? He would track Edelman, I would yeah, think. He, so. He's the only one that could play slot because Peters has to stay on the side and stick to it. And Jimmy Smith is not nimble enough to play in the slot. But I also want to know who does that when you want Humphrey to trail a number one. Now that's not as much of a concern against the Patriots, but it is a great matchup. And then it's the Ravens off of a bye. If there's one coach that's been great off of a buy, it was three coaches. And I always say them, Reed, Belichick, John Harbaugh. And the winner of this game will determine who's been the best against the spread, the most profitable coach over the past 15 years off a buy. Belichick's not off a buy, but if Harbaugh wins, he'll go to 9-3 and three against the spread and pass Belichick's against the spread percentage. 9-3 and three against the spread after a buy. He's 6-1 and one at home. The one loss came against the Jaguars in a game the NFL to apologize for. There was a field goal that should have never happened. They just had to send out a message. So you really should be 7-0 straight up after a bye uh, at home. This is a dream spot for the Ravens. I don't even think that the Patriots would mind. Bill Belichick is going to obviously coach to win this game, but they won't even mind if they lose this game. He knows that there's some vulnerable weak points on this team, and they're going to be fine by the end of the year. Their defense is still elite. They've got to figure out some things on offense. But you're going to see that. The the Bravens are going to not fail execution-wise what we saw last week with the Browns. And again, the Browns could have won if they just didn't vomit all over themselves. I love this at anything field goal or above. Too much value here for me to pass up on the Ravens. Uh, I think they went out right.
1: You've bet against the Patriots a couple times, and I go and I tell you why you shouldn't bet against the Patriots. Uh, This is one I actually agree with you. Now, I don't know if I'm going to actually pull the trigger on it, but I do agree there's no reason to bet on the Patriots this week. Um, so you either stay away or, or you bet on the Ravens. I, I think I suspect what they'll do against Lamar Jackson is try to keep him in the pocket, which means you might see more zone than usual. You might see you might see a, even a double spy with zero coverage behind it if they feel like they can still match up. You know, to, to the Ravens receivers, Marquise Brown uh, obviously may return, which would be a big boost for them but but I do agree I think the key is on the other side of the ball where the Ravens can match up to this Patriots offense that has been getting by by playing some of the worst teams that they, they have they've had the ball for a while um, the Ravens you mentioned they haven't covered much so when a team covers 30% or less and then they're going up against a team that's 50% or better uh from week 6 on uh the team that the worst team against the spread is 170 104 and nine since 2003 that's a 62 percent hit rate Um, so I think there are a lot of kind of factors that lead you to say okay I'm gonna back the Ravens in this spot so I don't hate that pick for my first pick I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars in London in their essentially their home because we know the Jaguars ball out in London but I think that you know they're getting this Houston team at the right time Now, Houston banged up, you know, just lost J.J. Watt for the year, which is big. Uh, Still looks like they're going to be without Will Fuller. Uh, The secondary is a disaster. Yeah, the secondary has been banged. Looks like Jonathan Joseph, the corner, will be back. Uh, He's probable, but, um, you know, it's just – it's a banged-up secondary. Now you're losing your your top, essentially, havoc creator in in J.J. Watt. Remember, they already traded uh, Jadeveon Clowney to the the Seahawks. And you're getting a Jags team that – uh, Deshaun Watson, number one, has struggled against Now I know it's been with um, you know Jalen Ramsey mostly in the lineup, but if you look at this Jags defense as of late, they're kind of getting back to what they do well. Uh, number one, they've been stopping the run a lot better over these past two games. Uh, but number two, they are now number six in the NFL in pressure rate, which uh, kind of surprised me a little bit, but they're getting pressures on 28%, uh, 28.3% of dropbacks. That's number six in the league. Uh, and that's going to be a problem for Deshaun Watson now uh, no Will Fuller. You have A.J. Bouye, who can shadow and has been used in shadow coverage uh, on Hopkins. Uh, looks like QT is in the doghouse, active, but didn't play a snap. Got replaced by DeAndre Carter in the slot. Houston's kind of just been living on these magical Deshaun Watson plays. Uh, they've been they've been living uh, on these plays to tight ends that really have no business making them. I mean, Darren Fells has made so many plays that uh, for a guy that they, they probably thought they were going to cut before the season started, but then Jordan Thomas and, uh, went on IR, Cahill Waring, all those guys end up keeping him. But it's just a bad spot for Houston having to travel, banged up against a Jags team that has played in London before. And let's not forget Watson banged up. I mean, we don't really, you know, he made a crazy play with his vision, uh, kind of impaired, I think, getting kicked in the face uh, in, in the Oakland game. But it's telling that uh, for an Oakland team that gets zero pressure – uh, and whilst they're their starting center in that game, um, you know, Houston really had to kind of struggle to pull it out late um, with, with, a, with a touchdown with six, six or so minutes to go. So I think this is a tough spot for Houston. Usually when you want to back uh, the Jags, uh, they are 13-8-2 against the spread, 62%. As an underdog, under Doug Marone, Houston under Bill O'Brien over the last three and some odd years – just 11, 14, and 2, 44% against the spread is a favorite. So um, this is usually kind of the spot where uh, I want to go after uh, fade Houston and, and, and get on the side of the Jags who so are playing a lot. But Gardner Minshew, 13 touchdowns, two picks, uh, playing really well under pressure, and that O-line is getting healthier. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm, I
0: might, I'm either going to play the Jags or I might tease them. They're sitting at one and a half. So they're a good teaser spot, too, to go over seven. I mean, I, I mentioned this earlier when I played the Jags in Houston and they almost won. Uh, Deshaun Watson just struggles against their defense because they can get a ton of pressure and they take away a lot of the deep stuff that he loves to throw. In four games against the Jags, he's a 76.9 rating, 634 mm-hmm. yards, two touchdowns, one pick, one fumble loss, sacked 15 times. So two touchdowns, two turnovers, completed 58% of his passes. This is the one defense that gives him fits. Uh, now I will say, it looks like Dee Westbrook's practicing for the Jags, which is big because the wide receiver board yeah. is... With him in there, It's a it's a formidable wide receiving core but i did see chark had some kind of something popped up today with a quad I, hopefully that's not fine
1: I, it's just like wednesday like wednesday injury top, reports are that. the most tilting injury reports ever like you can't like you just see like half the league especially in week nine popping up but i, I think uh chark will be try fine college now. at least yeah. it's not
0: as bad as college they don't put guys out that just there's this says week to week on a wednesday I'm like, <laughs> I what that means. um but the one thing I will say is the Jags linebacker. I mean, the, the Dar- Marshall Darius is out. Ramsey's not on this team. But the defense still has some players. Now, the linebacking core is decimated. Yeah. The Jaguars linebackers. They have no linebackers left. But I still like the Jags here. And the familiarity factors will put me over to the top. And that's what you mentioned. I mean, they've played six games in London. That's the most in the NFL. This is the first time for Houston going over there. The Jags lost their first two there. They were 3-1 since. Their one loss was a competitive loss to the Eagles. So, yeah, I agree with you there with the Jags. Um, All right, for my second pick, you mentioned the Raiders, so I'll throw them out now. I like the Raiders, minus two at home against the Lions. Look, the Raiders have this stigma attached to their name because they're the Raiders, and everyone wanted to laugh at them before the year, but they've been playing really good football. And a lot of it starts with their offensive line. I know they lost their center, Hudson, but uh, the Incognito might actually move over to center this week. They actually have a really good offensive line. It's top ten in my book. Um, And, you know, they have – a running back, which arguably, you know, there's other names you're going to throw out there, but is in one of the best or the best pure running back in the NFL.
1: J- oh, that already recall. I mean, no, we, we loved him in fantasy, you know, before the season, he's a guy we love this week. Um, but whoa, I, I don't think I've heard that one yet, but he's, that, he is, uh, no, just, well. just pure running back. So, I mean, you obviously
0: have like McCaffrey and Kamara who are going to bring so much more out of the backfield as well, you know, and, and Zeke, there's obviously, and obviously your man up in New York. I'm just saying he's in the conversation. He's breaking oh, no, tackles he's playing 28% of his carries. Um, you know, his elusive rating leads all NFL running backs. I mean, it's, he's really solid. They're averaging 4.8 yards per carry, seventh in the NFL. Yards per play, Raiders, top six, 6.3. It's all starting with their offensive line, their run game. They're getting protection. And what do the Lions not do? They can't stop the run. They're 24th, giving up 4.7 yards per carry. They get no pressure. 26th adjusted sack. They're all defensive lines, also 27th in adjusted line yards. And their secondary is decimated. That was the strength of their team. It allowed them to do so much from a scheme perspective. But it looks like Slay is going to be out. They traded Diggs. It looks like Walker's going to be out. And they had two great safeties and a lockdown corner. They're probably going to be without all three this week. You know, I really like the Raiders here. They should have won that game in Houston last week. They had over seven yards per play and held Houston closer to five. I mean, just some fluky stuff happened. This team's playing really well, and the market doesn't really realize it, and the Lions are just so banged up in that secondary now, which was a strength. They have no running game. Now, I will say this. You can throw on the Raiders all day. So this is also – They get no pressure
1: either, yeah. Yeah, they get
0: no pressure, and they, have no, they can't cover. This is what I said last week while we played the Lions-Giants over. I think in this case, too, Stafford, they're probably not going to try to run it that much. He should be able to get time. He has weapons on the outside he's going to have some success there. I think it's a good overplay as well, but I think the Raiders find a way to win this game without all these their safeties, without Slay, it looks like. It, this is a tough ass for the Lions. The Raiders
1: finally get back home, uh, and I think it'll win. Personally, I'm going to wait until Friday because this is like we just talked about these injury reports and I really have no idea what's going on with the Lions because number one, I don't know if they're like holding Slay out on some kind of like it's like a Jalen Ramsey thing where he's just in a contract dispute and he's just not happy. And so they're not going to, you know, he's not going to really push the play. But so Tracy Walker did not practice. Slay did. Uh, Mike Daniels did. And, and- on, I forget yeah. Yeah. Hand. So like a lot of guys are returning to practice. Now, does that mean they'll play? I don't know, but I, I do agree. I think this is a, it's like a coin flip game. I think the Raiders being at home, uh, you probably give them the edge, probably the right pick, but I, I think I'm going to wait a little bit on that one uh, just to just to confirm. Let's go to my number two pick and I'm going Pittsburgh and this is another team a uh, little bit banged up as well. It's James Conner questionable uh, Ramon Foster in, in the concussion protocol, but I think Pittsburgh, get slept on because they they started the season with these losses, um, but they lost to teams that are combined, I believe it's 26 and four. Um, And then they beat teams on the other hand that are, you know, atrocious as well. So it kind of evens out. But uh, I think this is a matchup of two in facing the Colts, a matchup of two more evenly team, even we match teams than we think Um, the Colts. I think a lot of people, you know, they're going to remember that one victory against the chiefs where uh, surprised a lot of people and probably, you know, everyone's like, okay, they're for real. And I think they're well-coached team. But I think the same thing is true of the Steelers. Uh, I think the Steelers being at home helps. I think the fact that the Colts are struggling. You know, Adam Vinatieri, I mean, he's been up and down this year, missing extra points, missing field goals. Uh, so I think if you're going to give me a point in a game where I, I don't think, I think these teams are evenly matched uh, at the moment. I think Brissett. Um, it's been well-schemed, but I don't think he's playing quite as well as people um, think or as the early, you know, I think he had 10 touchdowns in the first uh, five or six weeks. Uh, I don't think he's playing as well as that. You know, he's in the bottom uh, 20, you know, outside the top 20 in his pro football focus uh, passing grade. Uh, so Mason Rudolph, rusty to start that game against the Dolphins. Um, if Pittsburgh covers that game or blows them out, I think we're looking at uh, probably Pittsburgh favored by one or a pick 'em. but since they didn't and Miami covered, Uh, We're seeing uh, Pittsburgh getting uh, a point here and I'm going to take it. Mike Tomlin love these spots for Tomlin 32 and 17 with two pushes in his career at 65% uh, when the Steelers uh, are an underdog. So, you know, again, I just think you you look at that game against the Colts, uh, excuse me, against the Broncos for the Colts last week, where that was a game that they probably had no business winning in in the first place. Luckily for them, Broncos have their own issues, which seem to always pop up now, you know, in this post uh, Kubiak, uh, post Wade Phillips era, no matter what they do. But, um, you know, they've been playing some – they lost to the Raiders. They, they, they've kind of been playing these close games where they come out on the right side of some of them, wrong side. But give me the Steelers at home uh, if they're getting points.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, the, I agree with you here. Um, I think the Steelers should be three-point favorites. I'm going to be on the Steelers here as well. Um you know, it is a short week, and the only time—the only thing I hate about fading the Colts is that they're just so well coached. Yeah. Um. And I—I I was saying on Twitter, who is—who are the Colts? And I was debating with a few people. I just threw out there, and the best answer I can—I can come up with—is they're a well-coached, shitty team. Now they also have a really good offensive line, which helps. Um. Might have the best offensive line in football, but that's the best answer I can come up with. And they've been doing this a lot with smoke and mirrors all year. And their defense is bad. They can't defend the run at all. And all their cornerbacks are out. It looks like Desir, the they said that they want to hold Kenny him out up. until he's fully yeah. out. He's banged up. Kenny Moore's banged up. I mean, they're a cornerback, and they have no cornerback depth. You know, I think that the Colts, because they're 5-2, and two, are just overinflated in the market right now, when really they've just they've benefited from I mean, I look back at that Texans game. They have 5.7 yards per play. The Texans six point four. They're well coached here, but I do think that the Steelers have. They have a defensive line that can challenge the Colts' offensive line. Their number one adjusted sack rate. Right? They're going to get some pressure. Their offensive line is great, and they're still not allowing pressure. Now the run game has struggled for the Steelers, but I think a lot of that has to do with their backs. I actually prefer Samuel in there as far as running the ball. So I I think the Steelers can move it through the air and on the ground here. I think they'll have a special teams advantage with the kicking in Heinz field, which is an easy five and two Colts. It's just, that's what you're getting here. If they lost a couple of the games, you know, they easily could have, I think that this line would be Steelers minus three, which is where I have it from a yards per play perspective. The Colts are averaging 5.4 on offense, Steelers 5.3. I mean, these are bottom 10 offenses overall from a yards per play perspective. Defensively, Colts are allowing 6.2. That's bottom 10 in the NFL. The Steelers are 5.3. That's top 10, and that includes the whole season before they got Fitzpatrick. Their defense and their success rate since they've gotten Fitzpatrick across the board has been significantly better. It's one of the most underrated acquisitions mm-hmm. of the season so far. You know, it's not a star player, but their defense has benefited tremendously from it. I, I agree with you. I like the Steelers here.
1: Yeah, and just a couple of stats to back you know that up. Uh, the Steelers, I told you, always like to look at those early down uh, success rates, and the Steelers number six in, in pass defense uh, at forty seven percent, and number seventeen against the run, also at forty seven percent. The Colts are. Worse in both areas. They're number 16 against the pass and number 21 against the run. Better offense, I think, for the Steelers. And Adam Vinatieri has now missed four extra points and four field goals in seven games. Uh, and that's not what you want now kicking outdoors uh, in a close game. So, yeah. Um, all right. For my third pick, I'm going with the Bucks plus six in Seattle. Everyone out there already
0: knows that I love fading Seattle. This team could easily have five losses. But the defense is still a mess. And now, my favorite player also just went on uh, – I don't know if you saw this – just went on IR, Tedrick Thompson. Is that uh, an addition by subtraction, though? But It would be, but they don't, <laughs> they don't have anyone right now because Diggs is not healthy. So, Carroll came out. I said, look, this is a great signing getting Diggs, a great safety from the Lions. Carroll came out today and said, we found some stuff that we still have to work out, but a.k.a. he wasn't healthy. Um, so he's not practicing. It doesn't look like he's going to play. They got Blair backed. I mean, their secondary is a mess. Matt Schaub, I know some of it came in garbage time. Matt Schaub threw for, what, 400 last week? Um, so the secondary still has major issues. They also don't get pressure. So this Bucks offense, which can throw against anyone on a good day with two of the best receivers in the NFL, should have a ball out there as long as you don't get a bad, horrible Winston day. And then the other side of the ball, no one can run on the Bucks. That's just a given with their scheme and their front. Seattle now is down their third center, and it's a kid who's just not big. He's a smart kid. Uh, Joey Hunt, I think his name is, and going against those, those mammoth dudes inside uh, on the Bucks defense, it, it's going to be – they're going to blow up some plays. They're going to blow up the run game. Bucks number one in the NFL against the run, and they're going to bring pressure. They're going to bring pressure off the edge to prevent Wilson from scrambling. Now, Wilson will have some success throwing against the Bucks. That's an understatement. Everyone yeah. has success throwing <laughs> the Bucks. The Seahawks want to establish the run. The Bucks aren't going to let them do that, and I also think that the Bucs can keep up with the Seahawks through the air. Um and I don't even think the Bucs are going to, it's not like the Bucs can really run the ball. The Bucs are just going to do what they did last week. And I think they can have just as much success. So uh, this banged up offensive line up the middle with a brand new center and a decimated secondary. Give me that Bucks offense. Give me the run defense. And then the Bucs, by the way, speaking of records, are two and five. They could be four and three. They won, you know, they rolled in LA, they won in Carolina. And you have a, a guy uh, in Bruce Arians who is four and one in Seattle. In Seattle. Not, you know, so he's going on the road. He's familiar with this team. These two teams, are, their records could be flipped with a few bounces of the ball without Russell Wilson being a god. And then you see what, you would see this line three or four. So give me the box.
1: My process, you know, for, for kind of analyzing these games and deciding who to bet is, you know, I'm looking at all the matchups and all the, all the numbers and analytics. We talk about pressure and, and early down success and uh, special teams, all that stuff. Uh, and then I, I use bet labs a lot for the kind of the intangible factors, you know, the trends, I'm not a person that's just going to blindly bet on any trend, but I like to see, you know, okay, in this given situation, you know, before, how has this kind of turned out? And so, so I have all these kind of trends saved that, you know, you know, for those not familiar with bet labs, you know, for every game, any trend you have saved, like say, you know, underdogs by 10 points or whatever, you know, it'll pop up for any game that it matches. And that's how I kind of, you know, try to avoid some of the traps, you know, uh, that's why a lot of times I say, hey, you know, everything says to bet against the Pats here, but I don't know. And usually there's always these trends for the Seahawks too. Like, okay, you know, no matter what you think, the Seahawks have some kind of edge, whether it's Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson. Well, this week, uh, there are four trends that are popping for me in this game for the spread. And all four say to bet the bucks. Uh, Jameis Winston as a dog is over 50% against the spread. Bruce Arians as a dog, 54% Uh, underdogs, when the, the the total has moved down at least two and a half points, uh, are hitting at, at 54%, 58% on the season, uh, and road dogs getting 50% or more of the money uh, since the start of last season are covering at 64%, uh, which the Bucks are currently getting. So, uh, and nothing for the Seahawks this week. You know, even yeah, and even you're if you catching
0: six. Out. You could have Russell Wilson a god mode at the end to win, but you're still good catching six. So it's not like this is a pick 'em.
1: Right, right, yeah. It's, it's, it just really comes down to how many turnovers uh, Jameis Winston commits because that's been the difference in these games, and yeah. especially with them failing to get that call last week, uh, really just sunk them. And then Brashad Perriman, I mean, uh, they gotta be, they just got to play Scotty Miller or something. Brashad Perriman has been the biggest, one of the biggest busts, giving them absolutely nothing yeah. uh, on offense. For my last pick, and ugh, this is one this is I might <laughs> regret, but I think it's finally time that I'm going to – bet on the Cleveland Browns. Uh, They're going to mile high. Uh, I guess it's kind of on brand still for me because I do love to bet against the Broncos. Uh, Joe Flacco called out the team, the coaching staff last week and mysteriously uh, came down with a neck injury and now is out indefinitely. Uh, Hmm. I wonder if there's any connection there, Mm. but you mentioned it stuck. This is a Cleveland team that went into Foxborough, played well enough to win outside of the miscues. Uh, You know, the, all the talk is on Freddie Kitchens and, Uh, the mistakes he made. I think he's going to – if there's ever a week where he's going to kind of be on his game and and think about what he's doing out there, I think it's this week. And they're going against Brandon Allen uh, for the Broncos, who had probably had no idea that he was going to start even uh, a few days ago. Look back at his preseason numbers. He's been in the league for uh, four years, I believe it is. Uh, He, You know, his in totality, his career numbers are still like the stuff of bad NFL starters, which is not what I like to see because I want – you know, if you've played four preseasons, I want your preseason numbers – uh, to kind of look decent, you know. So, like, when you come in the NFL, obviously your, their numbers aren't going to be as good, but 6.7 yards an attempt. It's a completion percentage, I think, 62, 63. More picks than touchdowns. So, I, you know, I think Cleveland, Denzel Ward, healthier, you know, the, uh, they, they can kind of give the Broncos problems. Cortland Sutton has struggled when he's been the only – the number one guy. You know, he's kind of gotten by big play, a real good stiff arm last week, but caught only three balls against the Colts. Uh, I think if you can shut him down, uh, it's going to be tough for the Broncos to, to move the football. I think Cleveland getting better on defense and uh, all they have to do is kind of limit the mistakes, which this is the kind of game where unlike I think the Patriots, even if you make a couple of mistakes against the Broncos, it's going to be hard for the Broncos on the other end to take advantage because, you know, they want to run the ball. They're not going to take too many chances. And now they got a backup quarterback. So as much as it might, you know, if Joe Flacco was in the lineup and, and he called them out, maybe they're more aggressive this week. But. With Brandon Allen, I don't know how much more aggressive you can be because you're going against, you know, that Cleveland front with Miles Garrett. You're going against Denzel Ward in a game that projects to be low-scoring. I think you probably have to play it close to the vest. So, don't feel great about betting on Cleveland, but I think this is a time where they put it together and and do something convincing on the football field.
0: Look, I I don't have much faith in everything that I'm hearing and have seen with Brandon Allen, but as a result, I think – what you're going to see here is the Broncos run the ball 43 times maybe. And that's one of the weaknesses of the Browns, especially, you know, and easy passes. They're going to give me easy passes and the weakness on the Browns with their corners back is that linebacker. And, you know, in that interior of their defensive line, if you look at some of their defensive rush metrics along that defensive line, they're ugly. So, You know, Broncos defense continues to play really well every week. And this offense continues to let them down every single week. And they don't let up any explosive plays. Uh, They're top five in the NFL in that, which is, you know, really what the Browns want to do. I think the Browns are the better team. I think I'm not betting the Broncos here. I'm just playing devil's advocate for people listening. Where are the Browns at emotionally after losing that game, just vomiting, going to two and five? I don't know. Their season's not over, but going to Denver here for a second straight road game, they need to stop the run. If they commit to stopping the run and do it, they should win this game fairly easily. Um, they just can't make dumb Browns mistakes, but that's it.
1: Like the Browns should have been better all year. We, we've talked about it. This is the game where they can stick with the run if they want with Chubb. And I think the Broncos are going to struggle too because they're, the Broncos are good when, they, when there's like one receiver to stop. Like when you saw the Colts struggle because you shut down T.Y. Hilton I think he had two catches. You know, Chris Harris, he can shut down. He can take out one guy. But when the Browns have two guys. They have Landry and they have Beckham. So I think it's a little tougher uh for them so Fair enough yeah. all right so that uh wraps up our And now let us jump in to our favorite over/under. This is a, this is an ugly one. I think the game's gonna be ugly. Uh, so I'm going with the uh, under. I got it. I got it at 37. But the under in Buffalo, Washington, it's I think it's down at 36.5. So we'll go with that for the purposes uh, of the show. But uh, listen, it's a low total. Usually, you're trying to be contrarian and bet overs and low totals. But I think this is on point, and the fact that it's falling you know, signifies that. Josh Allen, in his starts, the under is 12-6. and And then it looks like this is going to be another one of these windy games. I know it didn't pay off in the Philly game last week against Buffalo, but it looks like it's going to be double-digit wind. The under hits at a 56% rate going back to 2003 – Uh, when wind is 10 miles per hour plus. I know a lot of people uh, tend to ask about that, how does wind affect the totals in these games? So that's really, it's when you hit that double digit mark. And so when you see even nine mile per hour winds, there's really no change. But right when you hit that 10, you start to see the under hit at a higher rate. So uh, I expect another ugly game. I I expect Washington to try to keep it on the ground. They saw Philly had success with Jordan Howard uh, running against the Buffalo Bills last week. Buffalo gives up pretty much no zero big plays. Uh, down the field. So Terry McLaurin, he might get his catches underneath, but I don't expect uh, much from Washington down the field. And this Buffalo offense in a game where they, they're they the better team. Uh, I think that they are not going to have Josh Allen try to do too much on the other side either. So you're just going to have two old school coaches who want to run the football and, and not give up big plays. We saw it kind of play out, but uh, Washington, Minnesota, 19-9 to game. Washington, San Francisco, granted in the bad weather, but 9 nothing game. Give me the, the under, even though it's low.
0: I can't disagree with you there. I mean, the only thing I would disagree with you is the number is really low. You just got to avoid flukes. But yeah. as long as you avoid flukes, that should be good. All right, and then for my total, I'm going with an under as well. Uh, I'm waiting on this right now. I haven't put it in the app. The under, Tennessee, Carolina. It's under at 41, 41 and a half right now. I'm going to see if it goes to 42. Look, there's only been three defenses in the last decade that have gone the first seven weeks of the year without allowing an opponent to score more than 20 points the 2013 chiefs the 2019 patriots and the 2019 titans this defense is real and the reason is their front end they added jeffrey simmons who i love i thought he was the best pick of the nfl draft on the defensive side now, Bosa went – I mean, he wasn't going to go one. He had some issues off the field. Everything's been great with Simmons. Simmons, I believe, has a pass-block win rate – he doesn't qualify yet – of, like, 28. Bosa's, like, setting records at, like, 15 or six it's Insane numbers for Simmons in his first two starts. Put him on that, on that defensive line in their 3-4 with, with Daquan Jones and Jarrell Casey – Oh boy! Both of these offensive lines are in the bottom ten as far as run blocking is concerned. If you look at adjusted line yards, that's been a, some of the weakness of the Panthers. So I'm not a, as afraid as you know of what we saw last year. And I think we'll get a really good effort from the Panthers after they gave up 50 plus yeah. last week. I'm not afraid of Ryan Tannehill. I think we're seeing some uh, some regression here with Kyle Allen of late. It's also a huge game for both teams, right? So the Panthers are sitting at four and three. The Titans are sitting at 4-4, four and four. so you might see both coaches play it, and you know you know the Titans do this all the time, but play it even a little closer to the vest, not wanting to make a mistake with their quarterbacks who weren't starters to start the year. We basically have two backups here. So I love this this Titans defense, especially their front with Jeffrey Simmons. Remember the name? One of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. For I think he's going to be. He's only played two games. I thought he was coming out of college. His numbers in college were record-setting since – PFF started tracking metrics of defensive line. He was number one in the last five or six years, but that defense is really good. It's really solid. They also don't allow up anything explosive. Give me the under Wait on the 42, but I still like it under 41 or 40.
1: Yeah. Well, I like it as well. Uh, you know, the 42 is just to kind of protect you against like something like a 35, uh, seven. It's not too much yep. of a common, common number, but yeah, if you can get it, why not a note to our listeners, we've had a lot of people reaching out to us about action network swag. How about a free action network hoodie? Well, we're running a contest this weekend to enter. Just leave this podcast, the Action Network podcast, a review on Apple Podcasts, which you can do right now from your phone. End your review with two things. Number one, your favorite NFL Week 9 underdog, and we'll get to our underdog Moneyline parlay in just a second. And two, your Twitter handle. We will reach out to the winner on Twitter on Monday. So be sure to check that out if you want a free Action Network hoodie, all right? Now, let's get into our weekly teaser segment. Oh,
0: yeah. Six-point teasers.
1: Stuck, uh, who, where are you going with
0: your teaser this week? I'm going to go with the Jaguars and the Chargers. We already talked about the Jaguars, getting them to over seven or seven and above. Um, I think in uh, a favorable spot for them in a team that they played well. And I'm going with the Chargers here. I think that the Chargers, and by the way, the Chargers, every game the Chargers play is one possession. Um, <laughs> and if you throw out the Dolphins game, that's true again this year. Philip Rivers as a dog, 41-29-4 and four overall, 58.6% yep. against the spread. But if you cheesed Philip Rivers as a dog throughout his whole career, six points, you'd be 61-13. and 13. That's 82%. Woo. All these games are, at, are one possession that they played this year. Okun back makes a huge difference. And I thought there would be some rust. Nope. Elite pass blocking grade last week. And they had two poor tackles. When you have now just one, it's so much easier to scheme. You can just help on one side. It just helps their offense tremendously. You also have Melvin Gordon getting back up to speed. He hasn't been great, but he missed camp, and he missed all that time, and he's been awful. So I expect him to be a little better. They also have a new offensive coordinator here. So you're going to see some, hopefully, new things that Hunt wasn't doing. Also throws the element of surprise in for the Packers. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think that works in their favor as well. The Packers are really good. Go Pack Go. I say it every podcast. They're my only future. But they're overvalued in the market right now. They've getting fortunate on a number of games. They're getting fortunate every week with injuries. So they're overvalued here. But Okung against one of the Smiths will help. They can help on the other. This will be a one-possession game with a couple minutes to go.
1: I totally agree. I think Andy Reid kind of gave him a gift last week, uh, punting that football. I think there's a few teams that you're looking at teasing this week. I think the Lions, the Chargers are in uh, the conversation uh, with uh, the Steelers and the Jaguars. So those are the two I'm going with since uh, those are my uh, top two picks this week. Uh, Teasing the Jags to seven and a half and and the Steelers to seven, of course, a standard six point teasers when you get six extra points against the spread for for each of the teams you're picking uh, for a slightly reduced payout. So, Uh, You're going Chargers and Jags. I'm going Steelers and Jags. Hopefully, we hit these teasers. Let's get right into our next segment the underdog moneyline parlay.
0: Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the moneyline parlay.
1: All right. We started out the season strong. Uh, my Panthers did not come through last week. Your fade, Mitch, did somehow, uh, of course, with another missed field goal for the, for the Chicago Bears. This week, uh, start us off, Stuck, who you got? Uh, I don't even need to go into this. Ravens, you know, I already know. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm going with the Jags. Again, mentioned it. I just think it's a bad time uh, for Houston to be traveling, banged up. Uh, so this payout would be 4.4 to 1. Uh, so if you put $100 down, you'd win 439 for a total payout. Uh, of 539 to calculate payouts for parlays and any other bet type, uh, you can go to actionnetwork.com/betting-calculators. Uh, and now we'll you're going to be—by the way, you're going
0: to be upset if you have a bad week uh, after you're betting the Browns and fading your boy Watson.
1: <laughs> I know, right? I mean, but generally, I like to take Watson when he's a, a, like a road dog. And, you like, and you like to fade the Broncos, so you, you're, you're yeah, right. Yeah, you know, that's, it's on brand. We'll see what happens. Uh, but now we'll quickly cover the best of the rest, all of the games that did not make it into any other segment. Let's start with the Chicago Bears. They are going to Philly as five-point underdogs, 57% of the bets, 71% of the dollars on the Eagles. The over-under is 42, with 65% of the bets, 89% of the money on the under.
0: Tashaun Jackson might be back. That'll help the Eagles' offense tremendously. If he is and healthy. it'll open everything up. It's another good matchup for the Eagles because, now Allen Robinson's a legit number one. He could have some, a matchup problem, and so will Mack with Dillard at left tackle, who's still getting up to speed. But generally speaking, this is just like the Bills last week while I was on the Eagles. The two worst quarterbacks at throwing more than 10 yards down the field, Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky. So it's not like Mitch Trubisky is going to go out there and shred the weakest part of the Eagles team, which is their corners. Uh, the Bears have no QB, no O line, no running game. Their coach is lost. Their kicker is now shook. Uh, it's Eagles or nothing, especially if Deshaun Jackson plays.
1: And the Eagles are getting a little bit healthier uh, in that secondary. Next, we have the Minnesota Vikings going to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. Now, this line looks like it's off the board right now as we record this on Wednesday night. Last we saw, the Chiefs were a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Obviously, this all depends on the status of Patrick Mahomes, who did get in a limited practice uh, on Wednesday, but any thoughts about where this line might end up? Yeah,
0: just read our preview later in the week. Uh, also to see who's playing, like on the Chiefs, like you have their offensive line, which as of right now is a disaster. Uh, they really need Fisher back. Their defensive line is also missing guys, mainly Jones and you know Clark is still out. They have injuries in the secondary. Their punters now hurt. They had to sign a punter. Cole Quick's hurt. So yeah, there's nothing I can talk about here. Check our, our guide later in the week, uh, which is must-read material every week when we go through Every single NFL game, because this is all going to come down to who's playing, namely the starting quarterback. The other players are just ancillary factors that I'll consider. Injury report is everything in this game.
1: Absolutely. And that's the NFL ultimate betting guy. Usually comes out uh, on Fridays. Uh, I break down for the matchup mismatches for the week. Stucky breaks down another for our guy, Matthew Friedman, uh, as well. And and Mike Randall, so some good stuff there. We also give a bunch of trends, picks, all that good stuff. Uh, Last on the docket that we didn't get to, uh, the New York Jets going to Miami. Three-point, I know, three-point favorites are the Jets. They're getting 63% of the bets, 68% of the dollars. The over-under is 41, 70% of the bets going to the over, but only 53%. Uh, of the money is on the over the jets two and five against the spread the dolphins three and four. uh, But these two teams are both bottom three in margin against the spread. The jets at minus 6.4 The dolphins at minus 8.9.
0: It's I think I need more about the dolphins. The dolphins are still fighting and this might be their best shot. They're home against the Bengals too later in the year. I don't know who's going to be healthier playing for the Bengals at that point, but this is what might be their best shot to get a win and avoid the dreaded zero and 16 the Jets are a mess right now. I mean, Might
1: be have, their best shot, yeah. <laughs> <not requesting laughs> I mean, I, I mean they
0: line the Jets uh-huh. linebackers, by the way. I don't even know who's playing linebacker for them anymore. But I mean, everywhere you look at the Dolphins, there's nothing like good. There's yeah. nothing where you could be like, this is good. You'll have Fitzpatrick slinging it and trying to make plays. Hopefully, he doesn't throw picks. And but look, Lev Bell should have a huge day. The Dolphins can't do anything against backs. They can't guard the run they can't guard backs out of the backfield i mean they can't really guard anything so you would think the jets could win this game but maybe it's just the fact where they've their locker room is far gone you know adam's requesting a trade and the dolphins are fighting you know they've been fighting the last couple of weeks and covering for a win i don't know this game is horrendous yeah. i wish that i could remove this from red zone on sunday
1: I erred in in betting the Jets last week. I still think they're more of a below average than a horrible team. I think the the, the market is kind of overreacting to the Dolphins. Yeah, I are agree. Should, the play should be the
0: Jets. I, but last yeah, week I didn't play the Jets. Play I felt
1: like I'm missing something. And I feel like I'm missing something again here. Yeah, I mean it's it's not a it's not a, a good one to bet. But I, I think I would lean Jets if uh, forced to uh, make a pick. Uh, speaking of picks, let's close out with our Survivor Pool pick of the week.
0: One pick. <laughs> One chance to
1: advance.
0: Survivor.
1: All right, so I am still alive. Outlasted you, I think it was week five you went down with the with the that Colts upset or the Chiefs. Uh, I have used Seattle, Houston, Dallas. The chargers philly new england and buffalo this week uh you know i hate to do it especially in a, in a division game on thursday where things tend to go very weirdly but uh, there's not a lot of value out there so i'm gonna go with the san francisco 49ers maybe it's closer than we think but i'm gonna go with them to to get to uh eight and oh here stuck uh, if you couldn't pick the 49ers this week and yeah you use all those teams i mentioned is there anybody else you would look at I
0: think it's safe to use the Bills this week Mm -hmm. against the Redskins at home if you haven't already. Um, If you want to get risky here, um, it's really a tough week to get risky. You know, I, I think if you haven't used the Eagles, I like them at home against this Bears team. That's about it. The rest I could see really going either way.
1: Yeah, it's a tough week. What a lot of close spread. So I think it's more of a, a betting week. But if you're for, alive in survivor pool, um, hopefully you can keep it going. Uh, going with the 49ers, they have the uh, them and the Bills. I think have the lar- the best probabilities of winning if you just look at the, the line. So um, those would be the, the picks. And that does it for another episode of the Action Network podcast. Again, you can follow Stuck uh, on Twitter at Stucky2 and me at Chris Raybon. Our names are the same in the Action Network app. You can follow all of our bets, track your own, get live odds, win probabilities, all that good stuff. So be sure to go download that. Uh, again, uh, we're doing the contest. So go leave us a review on Apple, favorite underdog, and your Twitter handle to be entered for a chance to win Action Network hoodie. And we're out of here. Good luck in week nine. Let's get this money. Go pack out. Go, Ravens.